0: Welcome. You're listening to the Kick Knowledge podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm Zach, and we're two white boys who love to talk about hip hop. Can I hit it! Can I hit you? Can I hit, 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 kick, it, kick it? Can I you? Can Kick knowledge? Kick knowledge, kick
1: knowledge.
0: Actually, I said we were two white boys who love to talk about hip-hop, but today we're three white boys who love to talk about hip-hop (laughs) because we have a special guest tonight, or tomorrow, or this afternoon. Depends on where you're listening, I don't know. Um, Our guest tonight is a beatmaker extraordinaire. He is the co-founder of Tuscan Tapes, uh, an indie hip-hop weird music label that specializes in (laughs) tapes you know like actual cassette tapes really dope nice he is the founder i guess also co-founder of homebase and homebase is amazing we'll definitely talk about that it's like a, uh it's it's a it's an event series hosting uh in which uh they host like raw hip-hop artists bring them to the netherlands yeah. Um, for some old school real hip hop, and um, he's just one of the nicest guys ever. Uh, also, he has a great beard. Uh, you can't see that because you're listening <laughs> to a podcast, but we'll, very, link, you, very we'll link you to his Instagram. Right he has some cute cats too, so it's it's Instagram gold. It's an Instagram gold mine, really. May I introduce all of you to none other than Frank Stevens or Steven Francis? <laughs> call frank or steven francis the the no, no. name just on? call me frank uh tonight all right rolling with frank stevens how you doing
1: man i'm doing great actually like it's weekend we just had a couple of uh busy shows so now uh yeah i'm, I'm taking my time i'm uh How do you say it? I'm reorganizing the house with my girlfriend. Oh, that's good. uh, It's been (laughs) kind of busy, but uh, yeah, I'm doing great.
0: Nice, nice. Good to hear from you. All right, so um, I don't think I said this yet, but you're from my hometown, right? We know each other from back in the Netherlands, from Groningen.
1: Yes. Or Groningen. uh, Groningen. (laughs) But Okay, I've always wondered.
2: I always feel like I'm saying that wrong. (laughs) Like when I tell people about the podcast and I'm just like... It's me and my buddy Steven, who goes to university and... <laughs> I don't know how kind of to like, like... I never know, because I've heard... Steven, I've heard you say
1: it like... I can't even do it, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's actually pretty close. It's
0: actually close <laughs> enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, um, I usually roll with groaning and not freak people out You know, <laughs> while I'm here, but represent if, the, if the, anyway <laughs> so uh so so you're um actually recording this it's probably it's 11:45 at night for you so it's in the afternoon for zach and i uh stateside but um uh yeah good to hear that that you're doing well man there's a bunch we should talk about like
1: yeah agreed
0: i really want to like ask you all about what it was like to start home base um so what yeah is- and i
2: was going to ask about tuscan tapes and like how you got involved in that because that sounds really cool
0: yeah exactly right so um let's do this yeah what do you want to start with you can pick frank well start. i
1: i heard the both of you talk about like your first uh encounter with hip-hop so mm-hmm. like when you were young yeah and oh, yeah, that's it's kind of weird yeah. for yeah. me because I'm. you got um, into hip-hop I'm I'm 31 at this moment, so like I was born in '86, and my parents were like big punk metal um, heads, and like my father, my father used to play like old funk records when I went to sleep. So when I was sleeping, I heard like <laughs> doom I heard like a lot of funky music, and like I heard you talk about Eminem, and that was for me like I think Slim Shady LP came out in '97.
2: Yeah, ninety eight, I, I think,
1: think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it started when I was eleven when I heard um Reunited by the Wu Tang clan. It was on yeah. TV. Like my parents <laughs> used to sit me in front of, of MTV. So my first encounter with hip hop was like immediately it was Meth Man Inspector deck, like all dirty bastards. So it was weird. To me, it was like there's always a bunch of MCs. There's never just one MC and one DJ. It's like a yeah. bunch of MCs and they all take their turns. So, yeah, for me, Wu-Tang was like my first encounter with hip-hop. And then at school, they gave me like this cassette with, with uh, I Got Next by KRS-One. Oh. And then when I got older, yeah. it was the Slim Shady LP, of course. Yeah, so it was course. kind of funny to hear you talk about Eminem, 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 and for me it was like totally different. He was like the seventh artist I, I, I found in <laughs> the in like hip hop. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's an age thing, I guess. Like yeah. when Wu Tang came out, or when you got introduced to Wu Tang, that was around the time that I got introduced. Well, I like at that age, uh, when I at yeah. that age, that was the time when Eminem came up, right? So. Like, I'm assuming you got into Wu Tang like uh well, ninety three. Thirty six chambers yeah. came out in ninety three, so it must have been a little after that, I guess. Um Yeah. So you must have been like eight, nine, something like that, seven, eight, nine, and that was around the age that I got into M M&M. M. So it's like really, um uh so that makes that makes sense I guess, yeah. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Eminem. <laughs> we were talking about yeah. that before the show. This is like—it's a kick knowledge podcast, but it might have—it's well- hard.
2: <laughs> it's, just, it's hard not to, especially right now, because like he did the freestyle, and then he just came out with new these new singles. Yeah. Since he's like one of the biggest names currently, it's like we don't a podcast, but at the same time, it's like oh shit, Eminem's got a new single. Like it's a big deal, you know? Yeah,
0: you yeah, have to talk well. about it. Yeah, well, uh-huh. we we might pick your brain on what you thought of the Beyonce single uh later mm. on, but let's let's leave that for later. Because yeah, I don't yeah. think yeah. you're very enthusiastic about it. Um
1: No I am not. <laughs> oh
0: All right. but um but yeah so that's how you got into hip hop basically like the, the grimy Wu tang kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Gangstar, like the the The, yeah, the, the, Gangster. the greatest hits, double C D, the full mm. clip man, That... That I think if I have to pick like five hip hop CDs, like Wu Tang Forever will, will be there and uh, Gang Stars full clip, like that just nice. opened my mind up to a lot of new shit.
2: Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird for me because like I really didn't get into like old school hip hop until I got into college, really. Um, and I remember it really was like relatively recent because I remember when the trailer for Straight Outta Compton came out. And I was like, maybe like maybe I should listen to more old school shit. <laughs> yeah. And then I like listened to straight out Compton and like my mind was like completely blown. And then I went like the big like I don't even know, like revelation, I guess, was when I listened to um Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Mm, and I was plastic. like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. This is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like, I listened to it for weeks. Just like that's all I listened to, because I was like holy shit, like, this is amazing. Like, I yeah. never heard anything like that, especially because when I grew up in high school, it was just, I listened to a lot of, like, mainstream stuff. You know, like, Eminem and Jay-Z and, like, basically whatever. My, I grew up in, like, a really white, suburban, you know, middle class. Like, everyone, everybody listened to Eminem. Everybody listened to Jay-Z. Because I was bro. Just, <laughs> Yeah, and then Soulja Boy was big when I was in high school, so, like, that's what everybody else listened to. But once, once I got, like... And then, like, once I listened to that, like, Public Enemy, basically their whole discovery, really, like, that's when I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole of, like, just nonstop old school stuff. And now it's like I've kind of gotten a little bit more balanced, you know. With try, I, like, try to keep up with newer stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. I try. I try.
1: Yeah, but that's really funny to me. Like, Public Enemy also shocked me as when I was, like, 16. But at the same time, I uh, discovered Paris sleeping with the enemy and devil mm-hmm. made me do it mm. so like those records really got to me more even than than public enemy and like mm. later on they work together but to me public enemy is like yeah one of the greatest acts to do this but paris is just like the mm. underdog and all of that he was like the first dude who introduced me to politics and and mm. like okay. those very old school up tempo raw beats and yeah i just wanted to name drop paris because he doesn't (laughs) get enough recognition uh, that's uh, true that's dope
0: (laughs) we're happy to provide the platform for your name dropping Mm -hmm.
1: man (laughs) thank you
0: (laughs) so um um so how did you get into making music
1: oh man i started out as an uh, mc when i was like 16 i think i started doing it like for real um and i had a couple of groups i worked with and mm. i think around 2006 yeah. no nah, 2003 um our producer quit he had like uh, he was also a sound guy and he had to go on tour with like this big musical so mm. we were like left with nothing we were just sitting there like what what are we going to do now so around that time i think i was listening to a lot of little brother Mad Lib, dilla and yeah it was just one of those days we were like you know what let's start making beats ourselves like mm. we always provide the go. producer with samples so like why not try to do it ourselves so yeah we really started doing this together and and learned everything nice nice and from there on it was like yeah i'm seeing <laughs> I, I love yeah, making beats. Becomes, yeah yeah it really it's does. more of a background thing like nobody yeah. Noticed the producer like I was mm-hmm. always somewhere in the back making beats and the MC was like on front street like mm-hmm. he was standing there like doing everything. I want to be the guy in the back just providing the 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 beats.
2: Yeah, I feel that. It's funny like, especially for me getting into beat making, it just became like an addiction because it really started because I wrote um an undergraduate paper. On the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And I started looking into sampling and stuff. And then, like, I tried to kind of, like, recreate some of the beats. And then through that, I was like, well, I'm just going to make my own stuff. Because, like, it was just really, like, it was so satisfying, you know. And then it just sort of became an addiction. And now I have, like, thousands of dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I have become this obsession now, you know.
0: And this guy yeah, just got but, the Machine 3, man. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I got
2: sitting <laughs> right here. I don't want to pick it up. I don't want to...
1: It's right it's right here. Trust we me. Tr- I believe I you.
2: Wanna...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you, you are actually right, Zach. It's like an addiction. Like mm-hmm. when I started uh making beats, I fell in love with different genres of music. Uh my thing was yeah. always like when I heard a beat, I was like, Okay, if, if these three seconds, four seconds are so awesome, like the rest of the song should be like mind blowing. So I started finding searching for like all these records that that these artists sampled and i really fell in love with soul music jazz music and it opened it opened me up to a lot of new genres like turkish psych rock and all of that stuff like it it's really a great tool and i think a lot of people don't have enough respect for it like for beat making like it's it's not something that you put out it's also something that you get you get a lot from it And like all these genres I'm listening to right now, like, yeah, it really started by just making beats and then going out looking for those great samples. I I really uh, feel like
0: hip hop doesn't get enough credit for the fact that it introduces whole new generations. Decades after genres basically died, uh, introduces new listeners to old music, right? Like, I mean, there's gotta be, Hundreds of thousands of people who discovered, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: acts like I don't know James Brown or
2: yeah all yeah, this yeah. kind
0: of stuff, just because they fell in love with this one drum break that was sampled on a Nas record or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep, and that, I don't think hip hop gets enough credit for that. I think hip hop gets an, a lot of shit actually for sampling, like oh you're just you're stealing, this, you're yeah. stealing, you know that all cliche. And we've, I mean this is, I guess. Listeners, to this podcast listeners. I mean, we're probably preaching to the choir in that sense, you know. Like, oh yeah, yeah. But, but it's, I just, I, I just feel like hip hop doesn't get enough credit for the fact that it one doesn't really steal, but it it makes use of right, and then two, mm-hmm. it introduces uh, people in a fresh way to to all this music from back in the days, so. I, uh, totally. So, I totally feel you yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah so going off that like what's a genre or subgenre that you didn't think you would ever get into that now you're kind of into just because of like sampling and stuff uh
1: like turkish psych rock yeah, yeah Like, yeah. who would have ever thought i would listen to like a lot of turkish records and iranian records and um bollywood soundtracks even oh, like yeah. when madlib did that i was like to it's mention, almost yeah. played out at this moment but i'm mm-hmm. i fell in love with it like big time so every time i find a bollywood record i instantly buy it i i don't look up like who is the artist and what did he do before this it's just like mm. I, i'm going to pick it up because it's probably going to open me up to like this whole different uh z- sounds and when it comes to rhythms it's like ethiopian oh, yeah. music Oh mm, my God! Okay. Those those drum breaks and, and yeah. the way they they I don't know what it is, but Ethiopian music just opens up this whole different ball game. Like it's mm-hmm. when you, when you start listening to Ethiopian music, uh, it fucks with your mind, it fucks with your brain, it fucks with everything. Like it's it, it opened <laughs> me up to a whole different way of beat making. So yeah, Ethiopian yeah, that's crazy. music is that's ex- probably the, 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 the most insane thing.
2: Nice. But also yeah, well,
1: Polish jazz. Polish jazz is uh, like my 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 favorite thing ever. Like if I hope a lot of beat makers are listening to this and I hope they stay away from Polish jazz. Like I went to uh Krakow with my girlfriend, yeah, and I was just like I don't care what you are going to do, but I need to go to a few record stores and like find some Polish jazz records. And there's this and one this collection digging, called yeah. yeah, there's this one label, I guess it's called Polish Jazz. And they only released like 76 brackets, I guess. But it's all these amazing Polish jazz artists. And like, those dudes are funky. Like, mm-hmm. when I started listening to some like uh, folk records from there, those drums, those bass lines, like every artist gets like his little solo moment. So even when you listen to this Polish singer, like she's singing, and then all of a sudden, after like three minutes, there's this amazing drum break. And i never thought i would be listening to polish music like i'm from <laughs> holland and we don't we don't have like a lot of funky dutch artists like we have a couple <laughs> of great jazz artists but like when you really open you start opening up to that and, and you go looking on the internet or in record stores you can find some amazing stuff and i that's think cool. poland like really flipped my mind nice. that's the most right, interesting so thing i ever jazz,
2: discovered <clears throat>
0: polish jazz turkish psych rock and just Ethiopian.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah rhythms for me. Yeah. That sounds like a. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead. For me, it's probably like. Like what I've really gotten into. Not only just with sampling, but just like as an obsession. With a subgenre period is uh, like Japanese, like city pop or jazz fusion from like the late 70s, early 80s. Like it originally started just from like listening to like future funk and like vaporwave type stuff and then like a lot of lo-fi hip hop samples of it, too. And actually I just went went crate digging a little bit when I was in DC last week and I grabbed this record yeah Teruo Nakamura It's called Manhattan you want, wait yeah, it's called Teruo Nakamura and the Rising Sun. The album's called Manhattan Special. This is a kick-ass record. Holy crap! And it was like four bucks. Like, I don't even know. If I, I don't even know if I'm gonna sample it. Like, I just thought it was an awesome record, and I was just like, dude, I gotta, I gotta grab this. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like with that subgenre specific. Yeah, specifically, it's just like it's hard not to be happy like listening to it. Like, oh my god.
1: Yeah like I don't watch a lot of anime but like one of uh, our mutual friends uh uh listens to uh, watches a lot of anime so he started telling me like you need to listen to some anime soundtracks and i think it was yesterday when he was playing like this 80s japanese playlist and there was this one song he's like oh i love this record i love this and i was like dude i i just put like a lot of records into the studio over here so i took them from my house brought them here and I saw the name I was like yo wait a minute go into that shelf and pull out Cassiopeia and he was like he pulled it out and that song was on there and I was like yep that's like oh, another yes. thing like I buy a lot of weird like worldwide stuff and and like mm-hmm. you said lo-fi hip hop really uses a lot of uh, um music from different countries and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Japanese stuff you you're you're right it's like it, it's really hard not to to be happy when mm-hmm. you listen to it and they are great like technic- like technically they are like mm-hmm. amazing at jazz music and it's underrated like most people when they start listening to jazz is like the typical names but man when you get into that sub genre thing and, and you find like japanese jazz records and, and polish jazz records it's like amazing <laughs> every time I, I grab one of those records it's like you have a diamond like nobody knows about this because you don't find it at every record store so
0: yeah exactly Definitely, yeah
1: that's the beauty of digging like finding those samples mm-hmm. that nobody else is using mm-hmm. yeah
2: like I just actually just made a beat yesterday with my uh my new machine and I got another record it's an Ahmad Jamal record that I found yeah for like a dollar and I was like, dude, like this is awesome. <laughs> and like just the satisfaction of like, ooh, I found this thing. That yes. like I mean it was po- is a popular record, but it's like, like it, but it's all like worn and old and it's got this like vinyl crackle to it. And it's like it, it even though the music itself isn't technically like your own, like it becomes your your kind of your own thing just through like the act of the fact that you found you know that record, like, yeah, it's, it's really really satisfying.
1: I mean that that's the
0: difference between like that's what I mean. Don't get me wrong, I love streaming services, right? I love having all uh, I mean millions of songs just just like a few seconds away from me, right? But there is something mm-hmm. there's something to like actual vinyl or even just cds or or tapes i mean there's something to that um which is hard to describe like if you're like like just rationally look at it really the sound is worse like you know but there's there's something there's something to like actual physical products music yeah yeah
2: and it's so easy nowadays like to just rip stuff off of youtube or spotify like that's yep and i'm guilty of doing that i'm just being like oh and then it, it takes like five seconds and i'm like there you go and then it, but it's not it's the it's just not as satisfying i guess
1: mm. no it's not like i'm a big donald Byrd fan and like donald bird is not oh, like yeah. an, a real underground jazz artist like if, if you start listening to jazz and you you go through the the, the blue note library you will find a lot of donald bird but i was um putting one of his records on and I was messing around with the pitch and like that there are two sides of listening to records when you're a producer it's like okay this is a great sample I want to use but there's also like that moment when you find a sample that has been used and you're like oh my god really he used this record. and I think I called Steven that moment when we were like listening to Donald Byrne and I was messing around with the pitch and I was just messing around sitting here in the studio with some friends and, and, and fucking around with the pitch on my it record. It was New player. york state
0: of mind, or wasn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah it was the intro, intro to New york state of mind and it was like only
0: eight seconds that, or something. It was that high note ting ting ting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yo blacks time, bro. Bird. Oh, man. Right. Yeah. yeah, that
0: triplet. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. That one, right? Yeah, you pitched yeah. it up. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, y- no, you I got- pitched it down. I guess oh, you pitched I was it like, down? yeah, yeah, and I was like, yo, dude, nah, nah. So I was like, Gino, Gino, grab your phone. Like, look up New York State of Mind right now. So he was messing around with his phone, and we. We were, like, high on music for, like, half an hour. Like, this is so amazing. Like, they just pitched it down. And, like, a lot of producers nowadays don't don't mess around with the pitch and all that. They just straight-up sample a loop or they chop it up. And I think it's even more special when you just notice, like, oh, all he did was he pitched it down a little bit. And then he heard that bit and he Mm -hmm. grabbed it for the intro. And it's, like, almost... Only eight seconds of the record or whatever, but oh, it's was so amazing. was that DJ Premier or was that Pete Rock? Premier, yeah, yeah, your state okay.
2: of mine
0: is a DJ Premier beat, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there's something I think that's one thing that a lot of people who don't make hip hop music, sample based hip hop music, that what they don't understand is that uh sometimes the way the song uh, like is like the, uh, the the way the actual song is released to the public isn't interesting at all. It, it gets interesting when you like pitch it up, pitch it down, chop the melody mm-hmm. in such a way that it's a different melody, but like reusing the sound or even like a technique that I've been uh, using a lot lately. is just like actually reversing the record, like playing it backwards. Mm-hmm. So you get this.
2: Yeah.
0: And that, that is, that really feels special. Cause then you're like, I just found like, I just found like fucking a, Gold. I just struck gold, and the original artist never heard this. But it's his music or her music, yeah. right? But they never yeah. heard this, even though they made it. It's like the the whole concept of like of music being, um, like that is a temporal thing, right? That that it's like it it's not a static thing. It moves in time, like, and the fact that you can even ch- like reverse time and get a totally different sound uh one that might be really inspiring that is what i really like and that is i mean that's just one of the three million arguments i could like i have why sampling is not stealing because like um you know <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, yeah it's for just real. especially for real. when you get like a when you change the pitch like i can not see and, why yeah. if you just get a four bar or eight bar loop and you just loop it Right, you add like a and kick and a snare to it. Still, that could be really cool. But I can see why people think mm-hmm. that would be stealing. You know, like yeah. you know, just. But it's like, mm-hmm. uh, um, if you really manipulate the sample in a way that the artist never thought of doing, right? Then, then it's just. I
2: would, I would really definitely out. say though, like, to sort of counter that in a way, sure. like I'm going to quote like a classical composer. I'm going to quote Stravinsky. Where he said like good composers borrow and great composers steal, mm. and I really really like that quote because I mean like there's a few beats that that I really love that like sometimes I feel like guilty for liking because they're like straight up ripoffs of like yeah. like the going back to Eminem because we this, <laughs> <with> this podcast <laughs> we always go back to Eminem but like my name is like that's that whole beat is like almost uh, let unchanged
1: me see it, right. Oh dude like you yeah, just you came mentioned up with that my word. favorite <laughs> tell <laughs> it this
0: is this is literally that beat few two months ago or something you sent me a video like yo Steve look what i found and i was like oh that's uh, uh wait that's uh, uh, uh my name is right yeah like you found that sample and like um just through digging i guess i don't know how you came across it but that is such a good it's literally just a rip, of course, of the... Uh, yeah, but yeah. I
1: love the entire record. I think mm-hmm. I was uh, watching uh, The Defiant Ones. like uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah on ones. HBO. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. I still
2: haven't watched it. I was... It. Yeah.
1: Oh, dude, like, that's where I found it. I um They were showing, like, the moment when Eminem and Dr. Dre were making Dre. Uh, Hi My Name Is. Yeah. So I heard that loop, and I was like, yeah, okay, I know the track. And... Then this dude started singing in the background, and I was like, "Yo, this sounds amazing!" So I went out to look for that sample, and when I found it, I I also found out like Ninth Wonder used it, I think on a little brother record as an intro, like just a little part, like "You're the best there is," and like that's one little part, like somewhere in the intro, but it's, it's um, the Miguel entire- also uses
0: it on um, the R&B singer. He used it on yeah? his 2012 album, I think all of a sudden this mm. like that sample comes in there as well it's a really it's so simple it works so well yeah
1: yeah but that, that's another example of like finding a sample and then hearing the rest of the track and like fallen in love with it immediately it's such a beautiful track like from the beginning to the end the way it builds up like the moment you hear that hi my name is sample and then how it keeps building and building like it's an amazing song and i would have never found it if i wasn't like into hip-hop into sampling i would have never found that song like nobody would have told me like oh you need to check out that record it's amazing like and it makes it special like Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure a lot of people like find that sample and listen to the track and fall in love with the track and like that's something that hip-hop does you can look it up you can look it up like okay Mm -hmm. so where did he get this from or you can just bump into it but like with metal artists it's like way different like a lot of people steal like these chord progressions on on the guitar like trash metal is like a great example of all of that but it's never like a real sound that somebody took in metal Mm. but like in hip-hop it's really this song that you discover it's not like Mm -hmm. okay so it used the same chord progression no it's like the exact same sound but they just flipped it a little bit and it's Mm -hmm. magic to me it's still magic
0: because i'm 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 trying to remember i can't for for my name is i know that dr dre well dr dre produced that track obviously but i know that dr dre usually doesn't sample he interpolates right he he replays the did he was it the actual sample on my name I, is or was it? I'm re- pretty say sure it is. I I'm think like for that one it was sure. right. Yeah. 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 It sounds exactly the same. But like a lot well, of Dr. Dre beats have like samples that he takes the sample and then he sort of recreates his one bar. So he gets like a drum loop and then he mm-hmm. he replays it but with a kick that he likes better and a snare that he likes better. But he so he's like sampling the composition more than the actual recording often, but yeah. I guess in, for my name is that... Well, also,
2: from a legal standpoint, it's easier to do that, to just, like, recreate mm-hmm. the sample, as opposed to, like, actually taking the audio, because then you only have to get permission... You basically have to just get, like, a cover license, basically. Well, you get, like, whereas if you actually... You get, yeah. Whereas if you actually sample the audio, you have to get permission from whoever owns the audio, and whoever... You have to get, like, double permission yep. and... That tends yeah. to be like it well, it's interesting too because if you notice, like on basically uh, from like straight out of Compton to that whole like late eighties, late eighties, early nineties, where it was like mm-hmm. the kind of the Wild West of sampling, like mm-hmm. straight out of Compton to like the Chronic, it's like he sampled way more. And then like with um, Chronic two thousand one, like there's way less samples on that. And if he did sample, he, he did what what you just said, like he just exactly. kind of interpolated. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah exactly it's just legally it's just way less of a hassle you know
1: yeah but it's kind of funny to me like when i found that sample i was looking up like the whole slim shady lp because to me that's still one oh, of yeah. the best Eminem records. Mm-hmm. but the guy who doesn't get enough credit is like jeff bass mm. like okay. there are only yeah. three dr dre tracks on the slim shady lp and everybody's always like yeah it's entirely produced by dr dre and eminem but no like jeff bass did a lot of that shit and he was like responsible for um marshall mathers in- too. yeah but also infinite yeah so like he's right. like really one of those guys that doesn't get enough credit yeah, like- the
0: slim shady ep of course i mean that's what mm-hmm. dr dre heard that was yeah. the tape that convinced dr dre and slim shady ep like those songs are all in one way or another. Almost all of them are included on the record. Like,
1: mm-hmm. some are
0: hardly even changed. They're just remastered. Um, yeah, I, I always feel like um, there's a lot of records. For instance, um, um, it said that the Marshall Mathers LP two. It said except executive produced by Rick Rubin and Dr. Dre. When mm-hmm. people oh he's working with Dr. Dre again, but like if you look at the track like at the credits, there's three three beats by Rick Rubin and then yeah um and then Dr. Dre mixed the drums on Berserk. And that is all that Dr. Dre really did in the studio for that record. It's like uh and there's this this sort of it's almost uh it's um it's almost like sort of this myth surrounding the relationship between Eminem and uh, Dr. Dre but the, the really the the only real Eminem Dr. Dre album with them completely together, I guess, mm-hmm. was um well maybe a relapse.
1: Hmm.
0: Maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe Dr. Dre. No I think Dr. Dre was mostly involved with relapse. But if you look at the Eminem show, Eminem produced that himself mostly with uh with the Bass Brothers, with Jeff Bass and um Um and Marshall Mathers LP the same and then Slim Shady LP. Well, we just talked about that. Encore is all Eminem beats, basically. Yeah. Um, Recovery is a bunch of producers, and well, Marshall Mathers will be two we just talked about. So that's pretty much the entire discography, right? There's not that many Dr. Dre beats that Eminem rapped over. I think. Uh,
2: I think when we talk about guys like Dr. Dre and even like Rick Rubin, and you could go even like earlier, like earlier sort of producers like. Maybe like Larry Smith or something. Who? That, maybe that's going too far back. That's like early, early hip hop. That's like Curtis Blow and shit. But mm. um, but I do think I just think like those guys coming from like a generation of producers that is a little bit more traditional to what hip or what what music producers kind of were at the to- like during the eighties, where it's like they were the guy who was like the head honcho and he would be you know behind the mixing boards and he would just kind yeah. of like guide the the musician or whatever. Like, whereas like, as hip hop has evolved, the producer's role has kind of become more like the beat maker, yeah. you know, yeah. and kind of had their own style and their own um, way of doing things. Like you don't, you don't hear about like a Dr. Dre beat tape. Like that's not a thing, you know, <laughs> no, or a Rick no. Rubin beat tape. <laughs> that's not a thing, you know, like,
0: no, no that's a different, I era. wish it was at that,
2: at that, but with with those guys where they came from and with that kind of early generation of hip-hop production, that was really a thing, you know, <laughs> like with how they sort of came up and, and whatnot. But with guys like, kind of, if you look at like, I don't know if I would say the second generation, but like, I guess it could, you could say starting with Marley Marle, kind of, and then like Pete Rock and Jay Dilla, like all of a sudden it was yeah. like... They kind of like there's a Pete Rock beat, there's a Pete Rock sound, there's a Jay Dilla sound sa- uh, there's a you know, <laughs> Jay Dilla yeah. type beat, there's a Madlib type beat, like there's also yep. like producers kind of just came into their own like separate from from having to rely on an MC, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like now, instrumental, like I think it really started with Dilla Donuts, of course, but mm-hmm. I think before that there were a lot of other artists who did the same but dilla donuts really uh put the focus on the beats like a beat tape like the whole thing about a beat tape is that's the reason we started tuscan tapes like we really wanted to make beat tapes again like cassettes with only beats and like we will probably release some tapes with like mcs on it but the whole instrumental thing is so special to me because that opened up like a new world to me when i was like all on my own Like no friends and like I had a shitty period in my life. I could just make music on my own. I didn't Mm -hmm. need any MCs or whatever because like Dilla did it, Madlib did it. So that was enough for me. Like I can just make beats, 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 beats. Like make the beats interesting enough to don't to to to. They don't even need an MC on it. Yeah, Yeah, they can stand on their own. Yeah, exactly. So I think Dilla is really responsible for that.
2: Oh yeah, totally.
1: And
2: I think that's a good. Like a good producer, at least a good hip hop producer, like nowadays, like if they can make good quality like instrumental beats, just kind of like on their own without having to rely on an MC, because it's like there's a good amount of I think producers just from like post, you know, posting on Reddit forums and stuff and interacting with other like producers, where it's like they'll just make a four bar loop and then they'll kind of just be like, oh, well, once a rapper gets on it, then it'll be, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but. Right now it's just a four bar loop and that's all it is so you really have to like kind of the way the expectations are now is that like you you have to be able to like kind of make your own song like make Mm. have your tracks like actually develop and kind of function on its own i don't i don't think i don't know if that's always true but
1: yeah but that's how i found out about like uh artists like knowledge yeah, I know oh knowledge yeah. as an instrumental dude mm-hmm. like he just made these awesome beat tapes yeah. and then when he started recording with Anson Park like mm-hmm. those tracks are amazing but they still rely on like the real the, the knowledge sound like mm-hmm. the real chopped up dirty beats and I love it like it's more like those artists are getting chances now like they couldn't get way back in the 90s or whatever mm-hmm. like the MC was the main dude like if the MC was there like Mm-hmm. who gives a red ass about all, all yeah. about the beat like the beat was just the background and these days beats are becoming like well they actually are at this moment like they are really important mm-hmm. and that's the same yeah, we thing. we talked like, about if, this
0: before I think like nowadays for a lot of hip-hop music especially trap I guess the beats are more mm-hmm. important than the actual rappers right I mean, they're yeah. literally mumbling, right? It's yeah, because that's a yeah. thing. You can't even hear what they're saying, basically. So it's it's just like another instrument layered on top of that. That's why it's it's more melodic with the auto tune and stuff like that. Um, I feel like if 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 you want to like for like the best kinds of hip hop tracks, they have the vocals. They consider the fo- the vocals as like just another instrument. That kid. That makes the that completes the beat, but like if the instrumental is already complete, then adding vocals to it might ruin it. Like I've heard a yeah. bunch of like Dilla beats with rappers over it, like Donut beats, uh, with MCs on, like that spit over those instrumentals, and and then you realize they're not instrumentals, right? They're not. Those beats weren't necessarily meant for a rapper to get on because yeah, are yeah, way yeah. too. Sometimes they're just way too choppy or busy for another instrument to be inserted like if you want to mm-hmm. if you want to have like uh, the, the rick rubin minimalist approach like if it yeah. doesn't you know like cut everything that the beat doesn't need right i mean that's sometimes the case for uh for for like these beats that were intended to be just beats
1: yeah and it i feel really shitty when i'm saying like oh yeah dillo was really important to me when it comes to that but Like, in the broader scope of everything, like, we have Cut Chemist who released Litmus Test, Mm. like, at the moment when Jurassic 5 was at its peak, and, like, there Mm -hmm. were just beats, 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 and even DJ Shadow introducing was, like, an amazing instrumental record, and you can say, like, oh, it's not hip-hop, it is, like, it's all samples, and it has, like, these hip-hop vibes, like, to me, Flying Lotus is still hip-hop. Oh, yeah, yeah I had him. this. I had this discussion with the other promoter here at the venue. He was like, "Yeah, when I can get Madlib, uh, I will book him on a dance night." I was like, "No, Mad Madlib is hip hop." I, I was like, "If you want to put Flying Lotus there, I kind of get it, but he still yeah. belongs with us. Like, Flying Lotus is still hip hop, and but you cannot say Madlib is like a dance artist just because he's only DJing. Like, it's hip hop. It's really hip hop, unless yeah, well, you go into the, the, the DJ
0: rails it. thing." That's why hip hop and rap are synonyms, right?
1: I mean, mm-hmm.
0: you can have hip hop without rap, and you can—I guess—you yeah. can have rap without hip hop <laughs> too. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: no, but these days, Flying Lotus is EDM. Like, get the fuck out of here! Like when mm-hmm. you listen to his first, to his first two records and like all of his B tapes, like that's real yeah. hip hop.
2: Exactly, For real. Yeah, that's Just, and then g- kind of going off that, like when you look at kind of the current generation of like producers, like. Flying Lotus is a good example, but then there's like other guys like like John Wayne or Mm -hmm. Knowledge is a good example, or like trying to think Sam I Am is great. Um, Where it's like they're just they're making this these really kind of nuanced sort of weird subgenres where it's like sometimes it sounds like EDM and sometimes it sounds like jazz and sometimes it sounds like R and B and then it but at the end of the day it's like who cares like you know it's it's good you know yeah like and and that that's that's what's really cool but i think like current kind of hip hop production that's going on right now is like people are like it's just use whatever sounds you know yeah, sound but- the best
1: All of those artists you just named, like that's why Stones Throw is so important to me. Yes, because you mentioned a lot of artists that has that uh, have been releasing like great records through Stones Throw, and like this one time there, there's this dude who taught me a lot about studios and and and, uh, about how to record up here in Groningen, and he was working with this artist uh, named uh, Sharanyit Singh and he's like uh, a mm-hmm. bollywood uh he he was a bollywood artist and he made like these amazing soundtracks but he made this one record and it was they still see it as like the it might be the first record to 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 create acid house so this dude was touring with him and i don't know how but he got to hook up with Heems from that's racist Mm, so i okay. g- i get this call i'm mm. like home alone i get this call like yo dude you're, you're a big fan of Des racist right i'm like yeah he's like okay so Heems is coming to stay in my house so nah. yeah why don't you just drop by so i'm like this kid in groningen this white kid like holy shit like i'm getting to meet Heems. <laughs> but what i'm trying to, 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 to the point i'm trying to make and like when i was talking to Heems, He was, like, really impressed how much Europeans love Stone's Throw. And he did not get it. He's like, okay, Stone's Throw is dope, but, like, what is it with Europeans that you guys love Stone's Throw that much? Hmm. And I think it's because they really kicked open the door again. Like, when hip-hop labels weren't that important anymore, like, I think Loud Records doesn't exist anymore, like Tommy Boy and all that. Like, Stone Throw really was that one label, like, with Peanut Butter Wolf just doing whatever he likes, whatever he wants. Like, we would have never had Quasimodo if he did not right. discover that Mad Lib tape. We would That's have right. never had Mayor Horton if he... like, I think the way the story goes is that Mayor Horton just wanted to produce, like, hip-hop beats. He was in this hip-hop group from Canada, and mm-hmm. he was like, I just want to make hip-hop beats, but no, Peanut Butter Wolf has this one tape, and it's like... This is amazing. You are singing. You are like making great soul music. Like I want to release this. Stone's throw like really had this attitude, and and yeah. I think hip hop is big in Europe, but Stone Throw just opened us up to a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, and that was that was something I wanted to I wanted to ask you about, is sort of like so in comparison to I I'm, I'm assuming you've have you been to the States before?
1: Uh, I've been to Orlando Like When I was 18 Oh uh, okay Well, I'll, I'll still try to
2: ask this Like so what's kind of your Impression of Kind of like This is kind of a broad question but like your Impression of kind of like hip hop And kind of the state of hip hop like in Europe As a comparison to Your impression of how it is in the states Does that make sense
1: Yeah it does okay. Um i hope like i think i have an answer for you but i'm not really sure if it answers your question but um i'm really jealous of steven like he's in new york i still see new york like i really want to go to new york one day and just smell the air like walk around and be like you don't want to smell the air Air (laughs) the air is not that good (laughs) no but i like i want to I want to take a picture where like Tribe called Quest oh, yeah. made the video for a war tour like mm-hmm. you know the, there are like a couple of things like yeah to me America is very important I guess like because I'm just this 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 white kid from like this little city in 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 Holland and I really back in the days like beats are really important to me but I really listen to rappers and what they were saying and I think that's the most important thing about hip hop and mm-hmm. that that's what makes Public Enemy so amazing like when mm-hmm. I heard I got next from KRS-One I got this lessons like okay this is what new york is like at this mm-hmm. moment okay. and the same thing goes for wu tang and the same thing goes for like tupac when he went to the west coast like Definitely. he was telling me what life was like over there and eminem did the same thing for detroit but i think Stone throw opened it up when they were like talking about oxnard like and and la like the the whole mm. thing there like it i i can see the progression in things like i can see the evolution of 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 um how the how the states is um yeah how do i say this like for me hip-hop is like the musical version of cnn like that's <laughs> yeah they tell they tell me what is going on like the rappers are telling me what it's like mm. over there
0: yeah it's the chuck d quote right yeah rap is black america cnn
1: yeah 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 and and that's the way i discovered about like I feel shitty that I only went to Orlando because I did not really get those like vibes. Like, oh, oh, so this is <laughs> what uh, like yeah. CL Smooth was talking about. Like, no, I, I, it, it did not match with the vision I had because like America's so fucking big, man. Yeah, you
0: know, talking like, about uh, CL Smooth. Um, so you, you, recently, I think your most recent home base show in uh, Groningen was uh, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: So, how is how is that? How is it? Like, man, if you want to ever ever want to get jealous, go to Frank's Instagram account and just look at all these pictures that he has with like fucking Pete Rock
1: no 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 because that's the thing like we do not take pictures with artists you'll have to see my record collection with like all the signatures on it like that's the real mine. like when you come to my house and you see like two frank big daddy Kane. like that shit makes me cry every time i walk (laughs) into the living room it's like oh my fucking god i met big daddy kane and he was such a gentleman but my instagram like like getting
0: those guys and then meeting (sighs) them and just hanging out with them and how what is that what is that leg like make us jealous so you had pete Rock and seal smooth you had big daddy yes. kane you had ari the mm-hmm. rugged man
1: Mhm.
2: master ace master ace master ace is so underrated yeah
1: we had like a lot of great artists like we started out with just uh with a couple of dutch artists uh mm-hmm. there was this one guy steven angle and he was He's just a gentleman. Like, every time I saw Engel, we were talking. And I was like, so when you come to Groningen? And he was like, yeah, Groningen doesn't want me. And then one day I told him, like, okay, so when Homebase is taken off, you are going to be the first artist. So... Yeah, I'm a man of my word. So when we got the chance to do the first home base, we asked Engel and just to come and perform. And Uh that was amazing. And from there on out, we just had like a lot of Dutch artists. Uh, We have Woody Smalls, he's a Belgium artist. Belgian Um, artist, yeah. um, Yeah. Belgian, Mm
0: -hmm. like kind of New York boom bap style, but he's
1: nah he 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 lost his mind man he's he smoked way too much weed now he's like more into the wavy type stuff uh, yeah but yeah, his his
0: older stuff but the, the back mm-hmm. when he performed with you guys that was kind of the kind of like joey badass kind of sound
1: yeah 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 young kid like yeah. really inspired by the likes of nas and shit so mm-hmm. yeah but that was cool but then we had our chance like we wanted to book big daddy kane and the venue was like nope too expensive. And we were like, really? Big Daddy King? Come on. Like we can get Big Daddy Kane to Groningen. Like this is amazing. They were like, nope, we're not gonna do that. And we were talking about this kid named Afro. All flows reach out and they were like, oh we want him. Like he's an upcoming artist. And we were like, okay, so you want Afro? Yeah. Okay, then you have to get RA the Ruggerman and Mr. Green too because like it's a package Uh, like and we were like hyped up as fuck we were like oh shit we're gonna get our first american artist and it's going to be already rugged man and we had some great timing because at that moment there was this video going around about afro and about like that he 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 won the 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 competition the um definition of a rap flow competition Mm -hmm. and all these cats were like sharing it on facebook like oh you need to see this kid and yeah shit was viral already
0: back then yeah yeah
1: we already booked him and, but we had to keep our mouth shut so like all these dudes in groningen were like posting that video and we were like okay so please you have to keep it we, quiet
0: we, before like,
1: uh yeah it was hard man. that's tough but yeah but then like we announced it and yeah there was i think the moment when we started realizing like oh shit we're doing something because r.a the rugger man afro green that was an amazing show and that really opened us up to like okay so we can like i'm a high school dropout i did not finish anything uh i had this shitty period in my life and i was like yeah i'm nothing i can do i cannot do anything and then that moment Mm -hmm. when you start promote uh that moment when you're picking up this promoter job and and you're booking these artists. That's such an amazing feeling. And I already, Rogan like that show was amazing. Like he really put us on the map, and he really gave us a chance to like show the audience over here like what we can do. You know the and- cool thing
0: about that that is especially when you when you started getting these American artists, like these legends. Let's be honest, legends in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Once you started getting those. Um, uh, you really showed uh the 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 other promoters and um in in our city you showed you proved them wrong really cuz they were always saying no mm. we can't we can't fill an, we can't fill the fill the room like we can't fill the the venue nobody's interested in that that stuff and then you guys like all those shows are sold out right like uh, and people from all over the Netherlands are like driving up north to Groningen to see these artists. And some of the yeah, shows like, are people even were exclusive mad. in
1: the Netherlands, right? So, um, yeah, the R.A. The Ruggeman show was exclusive. Like, exactly. a lot of people were mad. They were like on Facebook talking to R.A. The Ruggeman, like, why are you not coming to Amsterdam? Why are you going to those farmers up north? And like, there are only cows over there. You don't need to go to Groningen. It sucks. It sucks. And, yeah, it kind of felt cool to us. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like an exclusive shit. show. Yeah, but it's 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 weird because they are legends, and and it it opens up this whole new thing to us. But mm-hmm. it's it's hard to talk about, really, because mm-hmm. a lot of days I wake up and I'm like, I'm not doing anything with my life, and then those evenings when you see those artists perform and you're like actually talking to them and that's amazing man that that and i think it's another thing like what you were talking about like about the venue not having trust in in booking these hip-hop artists yeah It's, it's like the same thing you were talking about with um man let me who was it he he was a guest on your show too uh martin connor yeah yeah i think Mm. so he he was talking about like uh hip-hop not being recognized as like a real thing uh the thing over like with venues over here they are like okay so hip-hop shows they are terrible because people don't buy any drinks they just buy this six pack of beer and they put it in front of the building and they go outside to smoke and they drink their beers and then they go inside and there's no we we don't get any money from the bar and and that that's their vision about hip-hop so the ticket sales need to be, like, the ticket sales need to be, like, really, really, really great. Yeah. And then we can make some money. But the bar, like, nah, nah, they, they don't buy any drinks. And yeah, we proved them wrong. Like, there's a lot of drinks being bought at the bar at these hip-hop shows. So, mm-hmm. But it's kind of shitty because you, you you keep walking into those people who who do not see the same thing that, I guess, all of us are seeing. Yeah, how amazing hip hop mm-hmm. is, how important it is, and how it should be respected, like as a real genre of music. Yeah, like these venues are like, no, no, we don't need any hip hop shows. But and, like the fact that we managed to book artists like Master Ace and Big Daddy Kane and Pete Rock and yeah, Smooth, like that really, it feels like we showed them. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Like when you're twelve and you're listening to these artists, you're never like, oh, one day. One day I'll oh, yeah, totally. meet be them. And because all these artists go to Amsterdam. Like the funny thing was when I picked up R.A. the Rugged Man, he was like, So, where are we going? Where's the hotel? We're going to see Amsterdam, right? I'm like, No, we're taking the train and we go <laughs> we're going two <laughs> hours up, nor- up north. And he was like, Really? But like, management told me I was performing in Amsterdam, like, no, the Netherlands is way bigger than Amsterdam so it was kind of funny because he did not know what to expect like, he was just like, we're gonna have two days we're having a day off in Amsterdam I'm gonna show afro and green, like uh, uh, the the, the, the red light district and coffee shops I'm like, well, we also have prostitutes and and weed in Groningen so don't worry (laughs) about that (laughs) yeah It's kind of weird because like I'm used to go uh, To Amsterdam for shows There's one time I bought a ticket to go and see Madlib and I was like oh shit I'm such a big Madlib fan I'm going to see Madlib So I had to take the train to Amsterdam mm-hmm. I come there and like First we get Egon So Egon is doing this like killer DJ set Then it's like so here's J-Rock and I'm like oh shit I'm nice. gonna see J-Rock live mm. Amazing set then I'm like oh shit I need to take the train back to Groningen I missed Madlib completely. And then afterwards the day after, I'm hearing all these stories about yo, Madlib brought J Roo the Damager and Guilty Simpson and like yeah, yeah. everyone everyone was there. It was such an amazing show. And like it sucks. And that's why we started this. Like the only thing we were getting was like KRS One once a year. And like mm-hmm. for 10 years straight. He was here like every oh, year. Wow. And yeah. I love K R S one. Like he did some amazing stuff, but every year, like it gets tired. And then we have Pharaoh March. We have Pharaoh March one year, and yeah, it's amazing and and it's cool. But we were like, there's more, there's more out there. There are more artists we we should get. So yeah, that's.
0: I'm I'm thinking of this. uh You and I, we Frank, we went to that show together. It was a uh, Talib quali was in uh, Iswala, oh,
1: um,
0: <laughs> and he was there, and he thought he said what up Amsterdam and Still everyone was lab. like "Ooh!" <laughs> so, oh wait where are we
1: oh Yo, wait, but Zwally like, Zwally is it Zwally <laughs> <laughs> but that was dope like when when Pete Brock got on the stage at the home base show we was like so what up and he was like struggling and like the whole audience oh, was like yeah, yeah. 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 He knows where he's <laughs> he at <got> it. <laughs> because, like, a lot of artists do that. Like, so we well, what up, Amsterdam? But, but we never is, had you that. Know, the thing we is never that, had that they land in
0: Amsterdam, right? They land in uh, uh, Amsterdam Airport, and then they take a two-hour train ride or something to Groningen. But yep. if you land at JFK in New York and you take a two-hour train ride, you're basically in Manhattan, right? So you're still <laughs> in New York,
2: right? Like, it's um, well, we're, I'm I'm in Texas right now, which is basically like half the size of Europe <laughs> and like for <laughs> yeah, me pr- pretty much, and it's yeah. like for me like because there really isn't because I'm like in East Texas and I'm a few hours a few hours drive from Houston which the, the hip-hop scene in Houston is like huge mm-hmm. um Mm, but like, yeah. the, 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 there really isn't much of a, like where I'm at. I'm living in, like a pretty small town in the middle of nowhere, and it's like <laughs> there really isn't. But it is cool because it's like I'm a few hours drive away from both like Houston, which has a huge hip hop scene, and Austin, which has a like, huge just indie music scene. Period. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I'm gonna go see John Wayne next Thursday in Austin, which I'm excited oh. about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I missed him a couple times here oh. in Holland. I really want to see him live yeah like john wayne is amazing man
2: Mm -hmm. like definitely like especially um when i got to talk to him like definitely one of more underrated have you watched any i I don't know if you've watched any he did some live streams on twitch yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. man it's fucking awesome
1: that's the weird thing when i'm talking about hip-hop with friends like uh, Steven and I have a mutual friend Gino. Like he's a big Idea fan. Like Shut up. Him, Like <laughs> when you talk about hip hop, he's like Idea, 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 and I love Idea. Like he made some great records, but he's like a sub rock uh, Idea. That that's the thing he listens to. He hates West Coast music. And Gino and, and I are like to... the
0: opposite. Like I like all the, I'm way into like the mainstream rappers, right? And I yeah, and, but like Gino. Has never heard NWA. Like, nah. Like, nah. And, he, and he's he's probably proud of it too. He just like <laughs> Yeah. But he's like, a major <laughs> troll. But like he he's not interested in that at all. Like uh that hmm. vibe um he's way more into the uh underground white boy music. Like, <laughs> like the you know, well, like idea, the atmospheres, the stuff like that. Um, but it's so funny to like, we'll get him on the show sometime soon as well. Because it's, it's like, we know each other so well. But it's like when we talk to him, it's like we're talking, like it's culture shock. Like it's, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like we get lost in translation, right? Like the only sort of, uh, I guess, um, like Eminem is sort of that. Eminem is what connects everyone because a lot of people got into hip hop through Eminem. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially around my age. Gino is exactly a year older than I am. So to the day. Uh, So we're. uh, So 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 that is our common ground. And then I got into like the Jay Z's and the and the Dr. Dre's and the I don't know the you know that kind of realm of hip-hop and he got into this this grimy battle rap scene shit and stuff like mm. that it's like
1: i am the gray area yeah like, i i know a little you bit about
0: encompass- both yeah
1: really yeah but it's kind of weird like i have no friends i can talk to about john wayne like coming back to my point like I love John Wayne, but there are no friends in my environment like, oh, did you hear that new John Wayne track? Like, the dude I'm, uh, the 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 other guy from Homebase and from Tuscan Tapes, like, he, he is getting into some John Wayne stuff, but he's like the real Wu-Tang dude. So, like, we have mm-hmm. common ground when it comes to R.A. the and Big Daddy Kane and, like, everything we book at Homebase. But I do not have any friends to, to talk with about Yo, did you hear the new John Wayne or the new Knowledge or, or like mm-hmm. Mad Lib? I'm like the dude that's constantly talking about Mad Lib and everyone's well, like, fuck know, Mad Lib. Like, <laughs> like, like nah, no, man, Mad Lib is amazing. Like, it dude, sucks. True, well, it Frank, sucks meet Zach. Time. Zach, meet Frank. Like, yeah, there you go. Like, <laughs> come to the sh- <laughs> like,
0: Join us on the pod I'm, sometime soon again to, uh, yeah. you know, to discuss. I'm really happy. Uh, yeah, yeah. All that grimy underground shit that I don't really listen to. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
1: No, but it's funny because you bought me my big L uh, CD. Like, where were you at? Copenhagen? In, in
0: Helsinki. Yeah,
1: I got Hi, you Lifestyles
0: of the Poor and Dangerous, man. Like, oh my god. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not really sure if you have it in your collection. So. I do, man. I,
0: I had it. I had it. And that's you were so jealous of it. Every time you came into my house, you look at my like record collection, which is admittedly not nearly as big as yours, <laughs> like, not even
2: 10%. Ooh, that's something we haven't talked about. Okay, like, record collection. So, like, how big? Yeah, man,
0: Frank is, Frank is like, like if he never bought any record, like, if he didn't buy records, he, he could own a Ferrari, I think. Like, if you look at his, like, his, <laughs> there's way too much money in that collection of yours, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. You could have a fucking mansion. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was smoking so much weed back in the day that when I quit, I was like, okay, now let's buy some records. <laughs> so, like, all my weed money got into records oh, and shit. <laughs> no, nah, but it's not that big. Like, if you see Reward, his collection, like, when it comes to vinyl, like, Reward has, man, he has thousands. Like, it's amazing.
0: Reward like, uh, is the other guy from Homebase, right? Just for, yeah. Yeah. yeah so the yeah, guy yeah, selector, from Tuscan like, Tapes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Tuscan is Tapes, uh, Homebase, like, Partner in crime, yeah.
1: Yeah, his final collection is insane. And he's like one of those dudes who's like, yeah, I need to get the first pressing of everything. So when I buy, like, Enter the 36 Chambers remaster, he's like, fuck you, I got the original first pressing over here. I'm like, oh, fuck you, dude. But when it comes to CDs, like, yeah, I beat him in CDs. I have, like, 1,400, I guess, at this moment. And it's like everything from above the law to okay give me a hip-hop artist with a Z fuck (laughs) Z okay like (laughs) above the law to 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 Wu-Tang like I got yeah yeah. Wu-Tang's cool stuff but yeah I I love buying hip-hop CDs because to me it's like something I can show my kids when I'm old like yeah yo you need to listen to this you need to listen at one point I was like I'm gonna buy every Dutch hip-hop bracket just to show them like I have the biggest Dutch hip hop collection, but Dutch hip hop <laughs> these days sucks big time. Like yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want to buy the new Ronnie Flex or Opposite so CD. what? What
2: about it sucks? Because I, I mean, I don't even. The okay, Dutch like, hip hop scene is. <laughs> <so> this is <laughs> an interesting
1: thing. Like I'm gonna kick some knowledge right now. Uh, uh, you yeah, have like it, two do sides. Do 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 yeah. <laughs> You, you have two sides. You have, like, uh, I grew up on that uh, Osdor Posse, the whole Jax Records era. And mm-hmm. Jax was this um, this woman named Miss Jax, and she had this label with all techno and shit. And she started releasing, like, these old Dutch hip-hop CDs, like 24K and uh, Osdor Posse. And that's really raw hip-hop. It's like, to me, Oslo Posse is like if you mix uh, Public Enemy... With a lot of it's it's like that old it's like the old um oh uh, fuck, I, what were they called? Like the production team behind Public Enemy. I'm the so bomb ashamed. Squad, it. Yeah, it's like old bomb squad beats mixed with like I cannot say Thunderdome because that's like the the, the the hard techno music like nobody mm-hmm. knows outside of Holland but they mixed <laughs> yeah, yeah. it up with like a lot of movie soundtracks. And it was big, like you need to play some Osdoposhi right now, Steven. I'll, I'll give okay. you a track. You need to be like, blast that shit.
0: <laughs>
1: it's insane. It's like really big sounds. But to a lot of people, the rapper wasn't fluent enough. Yeah, he wasn't like, rap for
0: shit. It's good. It's like very. No, <laughs> he's flipping me I'm off giving right you now. The yeah, I'm giving you the finger. Fuck no, you,
1: dude.
0: <laughs> um, no, like Def P is like he is a huge personality on on wax, but he's not a technically not a good rap rapper, right?
1: Mm, um, I'm I'm I, I do not agree with you, and we had this conversation a lot of times. But <laughs> like Def P taught me a lot of shit. I, I see him like, I, I it, it's. Way easier to say because Holland is not that big, so I can say he's like the Chuck D of Holland, but mm. he he really talked about, like, politics and about things you will go through in life. Like, he taught me about depressions and uh, having your heart broken. And Oh, yeah, I told- mean,
0: like, let's be clear, I'm not talking about... I'm literally talking about his, his mm-hmm. flow, right? Yeah, his I know. His flow is just...
1: But, <laughs> but J- Jax was really important to Dutch hip hop. Yeah. Like, we got the Spoke Riders, Posse, like Casto and Honda. Like, nobody knows what I'm talking about, but like, <laughs> they were really, 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 really important to Dutch hip hop. And then, like, years later, you got all these kids who grew up on Tupac and Eminem, and they are starting to make like really different hip hop. So they're. Yeah. Back in the days, I was like, I want to have this big Dutch collection, like I just said. But nowadays, like, Dutch hip-hop is not the same to me as it was to Steven or Gino. Like, Mm. they grew up on on Opgezwollen. And to me, Opgezwollen was, like, really dope back in the days. But they really changed their sound. And I think that if you check out Dutch hip-hop right now, at this moment, you will hear some whack shit. Yeah, but, like, I feel like
0: if we talk about uh, Opgezwollen... I feel like they really had a sound that was unique, um, yeah. compared to like, because um, I feel like a lot of I wrote an article. It's not coming out until probably a very long time from now. But I wrote an article on the history of Dutch hip hop for. Um, so I don't know if I can even say this, but oh, it's like a hip hop atlas project by uh, Greg Schick among others. Oh, okay. So he asked me to write about. Dutch hip hop history so I asked a lot like for the old school shit I really asked Frank about that shit cuz I don't know much about pre pre 1990 pre 2000 yeah but like um but Walla came and they really had a unique sound most of hip hop from the Netherlands sounds is just like taking what American rappers were doing American mm-hmm. hip hop artists were doing and doing yeah. that in Dutch right and then yeah. Opgezwolle came and they had a style and the 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 samples they chose um just the overall feel of the mix of the of the of the beats um the flows were different like the way mm-hmm. of the 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 way they rhymed okay. was different cuz i mean the dutch language works in a yeah. different way than the english one does for for rapping they were really like had a unique style i think that's what drew me to that cuz i'm mostly interested in american hip hop um I don't know why, it's just like, that was what I started with, but like, there's a few Dutch artists, like, uh, like, uh, Fresco, who you also had, uh, on home. Yeah, yeah, Fresco
1: was awesome. Big shout out to Roy.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And there's, there's a bunch of people that, there was this era in, in Dutch hip hop where they really did some unique stuff, Hmm, but the sort of popular artists right now are just doing trap and like, and uh, trap uh, yeah. and uh like the sort of caribbean um kind of that <laughs> stuff you know what i mean yeah, but, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> stuff, yeah.
1: steven did you did you see like um i think we had a conversation about this there were like three dutch artists uh they went to mm. visit uh, uh sway in the sway morning in
0: the morning Whoa.
1: like so we have pre oh, dutch artists so
0: right now <laughs>
1: visiting sway in the morning and they did not know where they were at at all and like i get it they were nervous probably because a red bull like flight they they they, they flew them in like so you mm-hmm. go into to new york and you go into all these important places for hip-hop and then they visit sway in the morning and like sway is asking them about dutch hip-hop and like Oh my god, like people got the wrong the the, the, the wrong It just didn't work, um, man.
0: It just really didn't work. So that was a shame for Dutch hip hop. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, it really Maybe we was. We can change that a little with this podcast, although our reach is not not exactly as big as Sway in the morning. But, like, <laughs> yeah. but we got listeners in Peru and stuff. There. I don't know if Sway is listeners in hey, Peru. <laughs>
1: you're really you are really getting there. Like I have to kiss all of your asses, like, I really love the podcast. Like, when Steven was telling me, like, oh, I'm going to do this podcast, and it's with Zach, and it's going to be, like, kick knowledge, and I was like, okay, 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 let me listen to it. But I'm, like, this big podcast guy. Like, every night I go to sleep listening to podcasts, and sometimes I even find myself listening more to podcasts when i'm walking through the city than music so i really like this podcast because you're opening up a lot of interesting conversations and like the only Uh hip-hop podcast i was listening to was like one epstein because they had like oh we have dj Premier today like oh shit i'm interested like what are you going to talk about and you have like uh what's his name uh combat jack Mm mm-hmm I think, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. those are, like, great podcasts to listen to. But Kick Knowledge is, like, you guys are doing something different. You are, like, adding some more depth into it. Like, those podcasts are really, um, they really need the big guests. I need to be interested in the guests. And I'm really interested in your conversations. And not only because I know Steven, but, like, it's really great to listen to you guys talk about hip-hop. Because the most important thing to podcasting for me is, like, I need to have the feeling that I'm there with you. I yeah. want to talk back yeah, to you guys. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, sitting yeah. in this restaurant, that. like I ordered food, and you were talking about all this shit. I was like, I wanted <laughs> to respond to it, like, like when you were talking about that, yeah. Tyler the Creator and shit. Like you were yeah. telling the story where we introduced you to like uh, Flower Boy, I guess the name of the album is. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. I was talking time. about
0: you guys. Yeah, you. Yeah, you, you and Gino introduced me to that record. I was ta- talking about that. Yeah, and then yeah. I jumped off my seat. I was like, woo! <laughs>
1: that's me that's me <laughs> but like even without that connection i like it when i'm listening to a podcast and i'm like okay so this is cool like i'm part of the conversation and i want to respond and like most yeah. hip hop podcasts are just like interviews with like big mc's and you're like oh shit i want to know what he went through like back in the days when he made that record and yeah, i still listen a to a lot of a, those. that's
0: really cool but that's like that's a different that's a very a sort of um yeah, we're doing something else, I guess. In that sense, yeah. it's really conversation based, and um, and when we have guests on, it's not just because like, yeah. uh just just we want to have like a conversation with the guest. It's never
2: really an interview, right? We've never yeah, really exactly, had, exactly We've had
0: um, Hyde, the rapper.
2: We yeah, had Hyde. him on the and show it, once. Even with Hyde, actually. when yeah, when I interviewed him, like I mean, I had a couple of questions that I just sort of wrote down, but at the end of the day, I just kind of wanted to, just hanging out and talking with them and kicking knowledge. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Same right
0: now, like we we wanted to exactly. know about home base and about Tuscan tapes and your record collection, and but in the meantime, we've uh, we've probably spent the majority of this recording session, uh, you know, talking about like hip-hop and in in all kinds of ways we're talking about
1: the culture and like that's what you guys are doing you are talking about the culture you are not talking about so what was this record like or what was that artist like you are talking Mm. about the culture and that's important like like the influence hip-hop has on the world in 2017 and the influence hip-hop had on like the 90s and the 80s like that's cool and I think that's something that was missing in podcasting. So don't worry. You you are going to get like the sway in the morning I, I, numbers. I, I, it will happen because
0: That's uh, what's up. Oh, shit, man, Zach, well, we got to quit our day jobs. <laughs>
2: oh, wow, man, maybe someday. But, well, I think what, one of the really cool things about this and kind of like one of the goals, and I think Stephen and I have kind of talked about it, is just like what's cool about this is that it's on like an international level, you know, Mm-hmm. And like being able to talk to people not only from like other parts of, um, just kind of like around the country, but just like around the world, you know. Like that's what that's yeah. what is always fascinating about me. I remember like when I went to that, um, this um hip hop studies conference in Cambridge. Like it was yeah. like this international hip hop conference, and like yeah, that's there where was we met, entire so, like, yeah yeah, yeah. and know. like there was like so much about hip-hop on a worldwide scale that i just didn't even know about like mm-hmm. i didn't even know existed like there's a whole like battle rap scene in finland that i was like "Oh, whoa that's a thing <laughs> yeah. i didn't even know that yes, was a thing that you was know a cool like talk by the way maybe we should get yeah. on the podcast once that was a cool i mean it's just <laughs> you know like what, opening that up i think opening it up to other people who are listening as well is like showing that this isn't just like a Something that happens like in the States, even though it, it, it has its roots in the States, but it's it's definitely like this world it's become this worldwide culture. Like, you know when
0: we were setting up this podcast, I, I also thought of not calling it kick knowledge, but the fifth element, right, to mm-hmm. the fifth element of hip hop being knowledge, which was like uh I believe Africa Bambada said that, right? That was mm-hmm. his quote. Yeah. So
2: people might was, think we're talking about, it. it's, it's a podcast about the Fifth Element movie, and it's like, no, no.
1: <laughs> no Bruce Willis to be yeah, found over no. <laughs> We get, you know, like, a Chris one-star
2: T- rating, and it's like, I thought this was about the Bruce Willis movie.
1: This is garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> where's Chris Tucker, man? Yeah. Uh,
0: but, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really about, like, taking that approach of, like, critically looking at the culture, at the music, uh, in my case, that the language, um, a- anything in between, and just and just discussing that.
2: Uh, kind of going off, and we've talked about this the um, past couple episodes. This is just kind of like talking about our frustrations with like how we want this sort of culture to be respected, you know, and taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's
1: a part of me that feels like. If we're not already there, we're getting pretty damn close. Nah, this may be a real dumbass thing to say, but like to me hip hop is really one of the few cultures where you can still add something to it. Even mm-hmm. if it's just yeah. like a little a little stone, like a little brick in the wall, like you can everybody yeah. can add something to this. And when I see people like especially to us like over here in Holland or the Netherlands, how you want to call it, like I'm really fucking proud that I see Steven doing all of this. <laughs> like, when I heard Steven talk, st- talk about all of this, I was like, nah, man, really? You're going over there, and you're you going to talk about hip-hop, like, the whole day, and it's going to be about all these different things, like flows and beats and, like, the culture itself. And... Is not the same, and it's cool to see like people like steven doing all of this. Like when I went mm. to your lecture about Tupac at the university, it was so fucking cool to see like one of my friends talking about hip hop to like all yeah, these you were there. people and, and <laughs> shit. like that was so cool. To, like seeing all these sixty-year-old white dudes like listening, like hmm, okay, so that's what Tupac did, and I was like, yeah, damn right, that's what Tupac did. Like <laughs>
0: yeah, I you come on, seen... man,
1: open your yeah, eyes. Um,
0: that was like you Open were sitting ears. in the front
1: row, I think,
0: and you were there mm-hmm. like le- leaning back and just nodding like Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fun. It's cool, man. Like I don't get paid for promoting. Like everybody's like, Oh, you're a promoter now. You're 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 getting Big Daddy Kane to perform here. You're like probably swimming in the go- in, in, in money. Like no. <laughs> like no. Uh, it's like about the we culture.
0: don't get it's about the culture. Yes.
1: yes. Like And it's the about autographs
0: the on the on the records.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like nobody can take that shit away from me <laughs> yeah,
0: you're good. Yeah. like i said everybody well, I mean, can we're, add, we're not can making add anything something. on this podcast either this is just for fun right um so this is just for the culture
2: yeah any i mean we're absolutely not against sponsoring i'm absolutely <laughs> not against like selling out Yo, get Tracklip,
1: get Rap Genius, like, get yeah. all those folks to sponsor you, you listen, guys.
2: Anyone working for them, you listen right now, like, hit us up. We'd be more than happy to, you know, if you throw throw some 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 dollars our, our way. Um, yeah, we will
0: make it rain. Yeah. We will definitely yeah. make it rain on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Give us your dollars.
1: <laughs> but really, like, every day when I wake up, like, I listen to a lot of metal and jazz and everything, but, like, Hip hop is just something that that's like probably my number one love, ever. Like nothing can beat that shit. Hey, like, hey, don't tell your girlfriend to, that, man. <laughs> or oh, cats. she's probably gonna be listening to this. Like, what? So what? What about me and the cats, huh? <laughs> so what about <laughs> us? Like you love hip hop more than me, <laughs> but no, like yeah, it's really cool to talk about you, to to talk about hip hop with you guys. Like that's so fucking weird, man.
0: I appreciate it, man. It was a really go a really good conversation uh Frank thank you for being on um no
1: uh, it's it's an honor man <laughs> well likewise
0: um is there anything you still wanna plug like i don't know any projects any like
1: man like every project I'm doing is so like Netherlands based, like Holland based, like I'm doing everything here. But like, I promise you guys, like tomorrow I'm gonna like update my SoundCloud page and like, yeah, like all the that. beats have been like three nice. years old and shit. So I'm gonna put some new stuff up on there. So yeah, yeah, make sure SoundCloud.com, beats by Stephen Francis and beats by just Stephen make Francis. Sure, yes, just make sure that like when you see like this hip hop legend, tell him to go to Groningen. If, before I'm at home base, and then I'm uh, then I'm happy.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on, man. It was a it was a pleasure. All right. So this has been, I think, episode ten, maybe nine. Uh, oh, no, nine? Is it nine? Number nine. Yep. I have no idea. It's because it's... we just did eight last week. Oh, that's true. Seven
2: was the one we just posted. Yeah. All
0: right. So this so, has yeah. been the latest episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast. Yes. <laughs> thank you for listening. Um, if you like this show, make sure to follow us on Facebook, uh, Kick Knowledge Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Kick Lower Dash Knowledge. Um, by the time you you hear this episode, we probably already have also have an Instagram account, so make That's sure right. to follow that as well. Um, and check us out on sure iTunes.
2: To, yes, make sure on, to subscribe on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio and Mixcloud. Yeah, and of course so our website
0: our yeah. website kickknowledgepodcast.com
1: or kick yeah kickknowledgepodcast.com
0: kickknowledgepodcast.com um, yeah.
1: and leave a review on iTunes like I did yes. so exactly. make sure to rate five stars we mm-hmm. appreciate
0: it yeah cuz like that that allows us to spread the word all right peace kick, it. kick, kick, kick. Can i hit you?
2: Job, kick you
0: You were so jealous of it. Every time you came into my house, you look at my, like, which is admittedly not nearly as big as yours. Like, not even 10%. Ooh, that's
2: something we haven't talked about. So, like, how big. If you look (laughs) at his. Like, his.
1: It's way too much. <laughs> nah, but it's not that big. Big, 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 big.